Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. to get into the word of the Lord. All right. God is good. We're going to get into Matthew chapter 13, but we're going to take a look here at the parables as we continue forward uh, in this study on the book of parables or on, the, on, the, on the, the, the teachings of the parables. And if we recall here, as we've been looking at over the past few weeks, uh, you know, there are many types of parables. Now we have, there's some dis, just dispute on how many parables there are exactly. Um, in fact, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13. There's, there's literally five separate parables just in this one chapter we're looking at. And so some scholars say there's anywhere from 30 to even over 100 parables in total in the Scripture. But of the many different parables there are, there are only just a handful of subjects that the parables that Jesus teaches on. And so we have parables about the kingdom of God, which is what we're going to look at tonight. Parables about stewardship, which is what we've looked at in the past several weeks Parables about prayer, which we've looked at. Parables about the relationship between grace and personal responsibility. There are parables specifically about Israel. And then there are parables about the end times or eschatology. And we'll, we'll look at those. But um, tonight we're going to talk about a parable of the kingdom. And we're going to talk about kingdom principles. And remember, the parables are kingdom truths that are shared in a story form. And so parables are literally God giving us his perspective. And he's, he's trying to get us to come out of our filter of looking at things the way we see them or the way we want to see them. He's, he's removing the filter. He's removing the paradigm that we often view the things of God through. And he wants us to see spiritual things and kingdom things through his lens, through his eyes, from his perspective. And that's what the parables really are. And so we're getting a glimpse, a snapshot on how God sees things. And so tonight we're going to talk, we're going to look at how God sees the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And so we're going to take a look here at two separate parables in Matthew chapter 13 in verses 44, 45, and 46. And we are going to see here a spiritual dilemma. A spiritual dilemma, a kingdom dilemma that we often deal with. As, as Christians, as believers, or in the road to becoming a believer, or into the road of obtaining the kingdom in our life. And so we're going to see this, this, this kingdom principle play out, this kingdom dilemma as God sees it, all right? Now remember, we're looking at it through God's eyes, all right? And so let's take a look here at Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. We find here these two parables in which Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure. It's like treasure. Everyone say treasure. treasure. We don't know if this, was a, if this was a monetary treasure or if this was a natural treasure of some respect, but we find that this treasure was hidden in a field. That's an obscure place to find a treasure, but that's where it was. And which a man found... And then hid, but for the joy of it, over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Now there's a lot here. 
And we're going to see that. And again, also, in a similar instance, the kingdom of heaven is also like, not exactly, but is also similar to that last one in which the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant or a businessman seeking beautiful pearls. He's in the pearl business. He's in the pearl industry, and he spends his days, his time, his hours, his energy, his efforts, his intellect, his resources, his creativity, trying to obtain pearls. And now when he has found one pearl of great price, what happened? This is like the kingdom. There's a dynamic here. There's a transaction here. There's an exchange here that in the natural is similar to what takes place in the spiritual. For when he finds that one pearl or when he finds that great treasure, he went and he sold all that he had to buy it. The one guy found the treasure and he sold all to buy the field. The, the next guy finds the pearl and sells all the other pearls he had to, to buy that one. And so we find here this parable or two parables that portray a kingdom truth, a spiritual truth about obtaining the kingdom of God, possessing the kingdom for ourselves. And so I want us to pray one more time. I want us just to ask the Lord to help us. And I want to just teach or preach just teach for a couple minutes on the subject of selling out and buying in. Amen? Selling out and buying in. Let's pray one more time. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you. Let's pray your word would help us tonight, encourage us, strengthen us, minister to us. Pray you give us guidance and direction. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're anything like me, I don't think these kids these days really know what this is all about, but... Um, you remember growing up and your, your parents would take you to a park, a public park. And, uh, and back in those days, they didn't have parks like they do now where everything's rubber and soft and everything's colorful and beautiful and pretty and nice. But back in those days, parks, it was just dirt and gravel and a few pieces of some, you know, um, playground equipment. I mean, know what I'm talking about. And the park was a fun place, but the park was a dangerous place at the same time. I remember my mom taking me up to Broad Ripple Park all the time back when I was growing up. And we would, they had a pool there, they had a public pool, but then next to the pool they had a park. And that was the closest park to our house at that time. And she would take me to the park and like many parents and just trying to find something to do with their kids and get them out of the house and take me to the park. And I remember several occasions leaving the park with just, bruises and bumps and sprained ankles and just just hurt feelings and gravel stuck in the skin of my knee and bleeding and scrapes and come on how many know what I'm talking about tonight does anyone know what I'm talking about this generation now they just don't even know they don't even know they don't know what it's like to get hurt at the park amen but at every park in those days and, and I think maybe not even really as much anymore they've got modifications of it there was this one piece of equipment on the playground. I think they called it a merry-go-round. Is that right? It's that metal merry-go-round. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know what I'm talking about. Is that big metal look like a spaceship? And it was just it had these bars on it, and it had just enough room for about 
six to ten kids to get on that. And then the little kids would get trapped into getting onto that merry-go-round. And then the bigger kids would just be spinning those kids around. And you'd hear screaming and hollering and gnashing of teeth and kids flying off. And it was dangerous. But it was fun. And it was that merry-go-round <clears throat> that was really... It was, it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was a death trap at the same time. I can remember a few occasions literally just flying off of those things, literally getting pebbles stuck in my kneecap. But there was something about that that actually there was about a merry-go-round that really is an interesting parable, parallel to, to living for God. All right? Now, before I lose you, let me just kind of make this parallel because how many know that on that merry-go-round as that thing is spinning that if you were on the outer edge of that merry-go-round now picture this right if you're that little kid that's just holding on for dear life and you're holding on to that bar on the outer edge of that merry-go-round you've got the force of that merry-go-round that that centrifugal force that is pulling you away from that merry-go-round. And as that big kid is just spinning that thing, that thing is like wanting to do everything it can to pull you off, to keep you, to send you flying onto the pavement. How many know what I'm talking about? You remember that? It's a, it's a powerful force. The more that thing spins, the further you are on the perimeter of that merry-go-round, the stronger that pull is to get you off of that thing and to send you flying. But there's something interesting about that merry-go-round because at the same time as that merry-go-round is going faster the smart kids learned that when they see that big bully coming and spinning that thing around that if they could just get to the center of that merry-go-round and hold on to the center of it it's easy to hold on to it's not pulling you as strong and the principle, the reality is, is the closer you get to the center of that merry-go-round, the easier it is to stay on top of it. Amen? But the further you get out, the stronger that pull is, that force, that centrifugal force, I think it is, that pulls you off. And we find here a very similar dynamic in the kingdom of God to living for God in these parables here in Matthew chapter 13 in regards to this parable of the treasure in the field or the pearl of great value. And we find here in Matthew 13, we find two stories of two separate individuals that have stumbled upon or have sought out something of great value. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that in these two instances, that these individuals going about their business happened upon something that was of great, great value. In the first story, we find that this man had presum presumably had just stumbled upon, he's walking through a field, and he stumbles upon a treasure that is hidden in the field. In the next story, we find a man that's seeking out something of great value. He's seeking out pearls, and then he finds the one pearl that is worth more than all the other pearls combined. And he, he sought out, and he actually found the thing he was looking for. 
And so in one instance it was stumbled upon, in the other instance it was sought out and, re, and, and, and found. But in both instances we find that there had to be a transaction that took place in order for them to obtain that thing that was of great value. And so we jump in here and we find here that, that in every parable there's three things that you've got to identify. Remember remember we talked about that? That book by David Butrick? Um, where he talked about the parables, there's three things you have to find in every parable. The first thing is you have to find the characters. You've got to identify the characters. The second thing, you've got to identify the context. What's taking place? Why, why, what's happening here? And then the third thing is you've got to identify what is curious or where the tension is in the parable. What is, what maybe doesn't make sense or where is the tension? And so we're going to look at this here. And so the very first thing we find here is we're going we're gonna to just kind of focus in on this, this treasure that was found in the field is, this, is, this, is, this, is this, this kingdom that is found in the form of a treasure. And I want to just tell you right off the bat, the scripture says that the treasure, that there was a man that found a treasure in a field. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat that the treasure represents the kingdom of God. That Jesus is communicating and conveying something to us here. That the treasure is, is the kingdom. That the kingdom of God is of great value. That the kingdom of God that's serving God and living for God and knowing God and, and, and living in God's economy and God's truth and God's kingdom and God's presence and God's power and God's spirit is like a treasure. It's like a treasure. It's like that treasure that everybody wants to find, but so few actually do. It's like a treasure that, that, that it's like a man that didn't even know he needed it or wanted it. And although he wanted it, he never thought he'd find it. But one day he's walking through the field and happened to stumble upon the treasure. That when he wasn't expecting it, he didn't deserve it, he wasn't even looking for it, he found the treasure. Be like winning the lottery. Be like inheriting a billion dollars. And he stumbles upon this thing that was of great value. The other story is like a man that was seeking a treasure, seeking pearls of great value, and he was seeking and he was searching and he was spending his energy and his effort and he was his, his everything, every day he would wake up out searching and seeking and he eventually was able to obtain and come, come across the path of that one thing that he was looking for. And we find here a parallel, a parallel to the kingdom of God, that whether you were searching or whether you stumbled upon it, that each and every one of us, hopefully at one point or another, came to a point in our life where we realize and recognize the value of the kingdom of God. I want to tell you today that living for God, let's not ever underestimate it, is a precious thing. It's a valuable thing. It's, a, it's something that is to, to be obtained and to be held on to and, to, and, to, and to, to desire to be valued that serving God is of great value. And so this man finds this treasure. All right? He finds this treasure. Pull up Matthew 16, 26, Jim, if you, if you get a chance. I know I didn't. There it is. And it's this treasure that is supposed to be contrasted against this next 
piece of the parable, which is the context that we find the treasure, which is the field. Now, Jesus said, comparing again the kingdom, he said, for what will it profit a man if he gains his whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? In other words, what he's saying here is that when you find the new birth salvation, when you find the plan of salvation, when you find the power of the Holy Spirit, when you find the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God for your life, I want to tell you, there are so many people out there who are searching and seeking and stumbling through life who never come across the treasure in the field, who never find the pearl of great value, but how blessed and how fortunate and how spiritually wealthy are you and I in here today to say that I know the name of Jesus. I know the power of the Holy Ghost. I know what it means to enjoy the blessings of God's favor in my life. It's a treasure. In fact, it's such a precious treasure that Jesus said, if you could gain everything in this world, if you could make all of the money, if you could have all of the power, if you could have all of the influence, if you could, if you could be the smartest guy in the world and, and have all of the friends and everything that your heart desires, if you could have it all, it still would not pale in comparison to that treasure. The kingdom treasure. Just knowing Jesus. Paul said, I want to know Him. I don't even just want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I want to know him so much. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know God so bad that I want to know him in the good times and I want to know him in the bad times. I want to know him. And so it's a treasure. It's a treasure to know the Lord. But what's interesting about this parable as we read through it is while we may all agree that Serving God, knowing God, living for God is a treasure. What we find here in this parable, which makes it interesting, is that the context for which the treasure is found is that it's found in a field. The field is what's somewhat interesting about this particular parable because the field represents the context in which the kingdom is found. Now this man was... Likely, unintentionally, just walking through the field and happened upon a treasure. Let's go to that second slide. And it's this field that represents oftentimes just the mundane, unexpected, foolish, and indiscreet context in which the treasure is often found. That sometimes in life we find that the precious things of God, the most valuable things of God, the, 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 the value of the treasure is not always found upon a city set upon a hill. It's not always found in the obvious places of life. It's not always found in the convenient and obvious areas of life, but sometimes God hides His most precious treasures in a field. And while sometimes Scripture, the, the, the kingdom of God, is referred to as a city set upon a hill, it's obvious for everyone and everything to, to see there, there's that city set upon a hill, but the reality is that the kingdom also has some hidden treasures. And sometimes the precious things of God, the valuable things of God, are found in humbling, unexpected, foolish, and even indiscreet places. You ever wonder why 
the great God of heaven would choose to come and be born in a manger in a town called Nazareth, would choose to achieve his greatest victory not on a throne but on a cross. You ever wonder why God would choose? Now here's one I strugg I've struggled with. Why would God choose the, an evidence of his infilling power of his spirit with speaking in tongues? Sometimes the context for God's greatest value and treasures and blessings are found in places that you might not think to look. But what we find here is a kingdom truth that God's greatest treasures are found sometimes in hidden places. Now I want you to notice here that this is a, this is a, you, this is a spiritual truth. That sometimes... God puts His treasures, puts things in places that we wouldn't think to look for a very specific reason. Now let's take a look at a few scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 1. Now, Paul here is talking to the church in Corinth. And he's relaying the fact that this gospel, this, this spiritual truth, this new birth salvation, the kingdom of God, the message of the cross to some is foolishness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolishness for those who are looking for the treasure. It's foolishness for those who are not in the business of seeking out pearls of great value. For some, this, is, this, this kingdom is not of, it's, 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 it's foolishness. To those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Keep going. Verse 19, he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now we're starting to see some of God's thinking here. You ever wonder why was the treasure hidden in the field? Somebody hid that treasure. Why was the treasure hidden in a field? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Hath not God made, the foolish, made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom knew not God, for it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God in his wisdom chose foolish places to hide things of great value. For Jews request a sign. They want a sign. They want a miracle. And Greeks seek after wisdom. They want it to make sense. They want it to, to, to just, they want to be able to put a formula to it. They want, to, they want it to, 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 to be wise and impressive and excellent and awesome. But we preach Christ crucified. And because of this, it's a stumbling block to the Jews. If, you're, if your motives aren't pure, if you're seeking after anything other than God, you're going to miss the treasure. If you're seeking after a sign or you're seeking after something else, your motives are going to cause you to stumble and to miss the treasure. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's the treasure that we're looking for. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God hid the treasure, and the base things of this world, and the things which are despised God hath chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in God's presence. Amen. Amen. At the end of the day, we find that some of the most valuable things are hidden in places that not everyone is looking. Because God wants to make sure our motives are pure, that we are really looking for Him and seeking after Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read this real quick. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. He said, whose minds, is, whose minds the God of this age hath blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, and your bondservant for Jesus' sake. All right? For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? But we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. If we're looking after things that are fancy and impressive and all these extra things and other than just a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are going to miss it. Some things are found in, in fields, all right? Now here's what we find here, number three. Now just hang on now, I'm going somewhere. So these, this man was walking through a field, discovers this treasure, and immediately this man, for the joy of it, realizes this is something that I want. This is something that I need. This is something that I've been looking for but never thought I'd find. This is going to change my life. This is of great value. This is going to be such a blessing. This is going to change everything for me. He discovers there's a treasure. But automatically, in finding the treasure, he immediately faces a dilemma. And it's a dilemma, a spiritual dilemma, a kingdom dilemma that God says this is really the dilemma of the kingdom. I'm going to wrap this up here quickly, but don't miss this. Because there are some people who, whether they were looking for or whether they stumbled upon it, come to realize and recognize the value of serving God, of living for God, the purpose of God for their life, the calling or the assignment of God, and they realize and they recognize the value in it, the blessing in it, the wonderful benefits of it, but there's a dilemma that comes with that. And here's what it is, and here's the point of the whole principle and the whole parable. This man's dilemma in this parable represents the spiritual dilemma for so many. Am I willing to own the field in order to possess the treasure? This man wanted the treasure. He didn't necessarily care much about the field. He wasn't looking for a field. But he recognized and realized in order to possess the treasure, I've got to first possess the field. And so he had to make up his mind. He had to choose and make a decision. Am I willing to do whatever it takes in order to purchase that field so that I can possess that treasure? You see, it wasn't ever really about the field. It was always about the treasure. But what's interesting is in order to obtain the treasure, he had to first purchase the field.
And I want to tell you that there are some things that come with living for God and serving God and walking with God and fulfilling the will and the purpose and the calling of God that might not be what's desirable and convenient and easy and acceptable and beautiful and impressive and awesome and awe-inspiring, but it's in order to get to the treasure. And when we discover God's purpose, God's plan, God's will, we are all faced with a dilemma. Am I willing to pay the price for the treasure? Now, we saw an awesome ministry this weekend. But you, I'm going to tell you, Mandy Holloway didn't get up here and minister and preach and have all these amazing testimonies and stories without paying a cost or price. You're not going to get to a place with God or in prayer or in ministry or in discipling your children or your family or whatever the kingdom treasure is that you're pursuing to obtain without coming to the same dilemma. I see the value. I want it. I desire it. I want my family saved. I want that thing I'm praying for. I want, I, I want to get to that place in God. I want to get to that place in the Spirit. I want to get to that place in my family. I want my children to get to that place. But the question we have to come to, the dilemma that we all face is, I see what's valuable, but am I willing to pay the price to obtain it? And that's the dilemma of the kingdom. That's the parable. That's God's perspective. That's what God is saying. He's looking down and He's saying, I've got you sold on the value of the treasure. Now you've stumbled upon what I can do in your life. You've stumbled upon or perhaps you were seeking and it was made clear to you of what can be accomplished in your life. There's something of value. There's a treasure that you see that you realize is obtainable. But the question now is not do you see the value, but are you willing to pay the price? This man had to make a decision that we all have to make. I don't want the field. I could care less about the field. I'm in it for the treasure. But here's the dilemma. The treasure is tied to the field. And in order to get to the treasure, you've got you to pay the price for the field. Look what... What, look, look what James 4, 4 says. You adulterous people, you don't know the friendship with this world is enmity with God? Now here's what this man, here's what, here's what both of these guys were, had to come to terms with. I've, I've been looking for this pearl of great value and I've been spending my whole life, my time and energy just accumulating many pearls, but now i found the one pearl the one pearl that's of more value than anything. I want that. But do I want it bad enough to sell all of the other pearls to obtain that one? I want that treasure, but I can't, I can't have it both ways. I can't have the one pearl and all the other pearls. i got to make a decision. It's one or the other. And here's what he's saying. You can't be friends with the world and have everything God has for you at the same time. You can't do it. It's a spiritual truth. It's a kingdom principle. Therefore, whoever wishes to be friends of this world makes himself an enemy with God. You can't have it both ways.
And so we find here that this man had to make a decision. If I'm going to obtain this, if if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to obtain this treasure that I'm so fortunate and blessed to have witnessed and experienced and know the location of, I know how it's to get there. I know where it is. I want it. I desire it. It's going to change my life. But now I've got to make the decision. Am I willing to make a transaction to sell everything that I have in order to buy what I desire? And here's what the Bible says in this parable. Scripture says that when he found that treasure hidden in that field, the Scripture says that he went out and sold all that he had in order that he could buy that field. And here's the principle that we find here is according to the kingdom of God, God says that you have to be willing to first sell out so that you can buy in. And that's the principle that we find here is that God is calling us to let go of some things, to sell out of some things, to, to empty your hands, to empty your account, to empty your affections, to empty your desires for things that are distracting you, taking you away, pulling you from. You're hanging on to the outer rim of that merry-go-round and living for God easy is hard, but living for God hard is actually easy. And the more you hold on to those fringe things of this world and of those life, the more you feel the pull of the world upon you. But but what the principle here is saying is if you can just sell out and get as close to the middle and the center of God's will for your life as possible, you're going to find that it's easier to live that way than to live out on the fringe in the outer courts. God says you got to sell out in order to buy in. I really felt it on Sunday that sometimes we're reluctant to go all the way with the Lord because maybe there's people in our life or things in our life that we know are not fully committed or are compromised or are uncertain. But I just felt so strong on Sunday to just encourage myself and others that if they're ever going to get there with us, we've got to be willing to go there first ourselves. Because they're never going to go someplace we're not willing to go ourselves. And in order for them to follow us there, we got to be willing to go there ourselves. We got to sell out so that we can buy completely in. I want to tell you, you got to go all in on God's will. You got to go all in on revival. You got to go all in on your family being saved. You got to go all in on discipling your children to see them grow up to become mature Christians and love God and love the church. You got to sell some things in your life, sell some distractions, sell some entertainment, sell some foolishness, some things that you don't need in your life to begin with in order that you could buy all that you can to get a hold of as much of God as possible. Look what it says in Romans 13. We're talking economic terms here, right? <clears throat> nah, that's not the scripture I was thinking at. Let's see. For he is God's servant for your... Nope, that's not it. So the scripture that I was looking for, I'm going to read it here. Um, I'm going to read it. I got it right here. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Romans 13, 14. Here it is. Romans 13, 14. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ... And make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. In other words, he's saying if your life is like a budget and you've got every provision marked line item for, you know where every expense is in your life. He said, you got to think about your life in terms of like a budget. It's like a spreadsheet. And I hate spreadsheets, but this, we're just going to do this. He said, your life, your time, your energy, your affections, your, 
the things you spend your time focusing on and doing, it's like a line item. And to God, it's like a spreadsheet. He sees every provision you're making in your life. Spend three hours on social media. Spend two hours watching Netflix. You spend four hours just whatever. Spend this time, this energy, this money, this desire, this affection, and it's all laid out. And what he's saying here is if you want to get your budget in such a shape that you can actually afford the things of the kingdom of God, he said you got to be willing to cut some line items out of your budget. You got to cut, you got to, you got to make no provisions for the flesh. I'm preaching to myself here tonight. You know what? I want to tell you, the Lord is speaking. All right. You got to make no provisions. You got to take that budget and you got to start cutting, eliminating the line on. Listen, when you're broke, all right, and you've only got so much money coming in and you've got such amount of budgets, you got to make some tough decisions. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? You got to decide, is this worth it or not? Am I going to eat this week or am I going to have Netflix this, this, this month? Whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, and spiritually speaking, the same is true. God says that's the kingdom. That's the dilemma of the kingdom. That's the tension of the kingdom. Are you going to have revival in your family or are you going to have provisions for your flesh? Are you going to pray and fast to see that child saved? Or are you going to have provisions for your flesh? Are you going to have a mighty move of God in your church? Or are you going to make provisions for your flesh? Are you going to have revival in Franklin, Indiana? Or are you going to make provisions for your flesh? Are we going to have a strong church in Trafalgar? Or are we going to keep making provisions for our flesh? We've got to make some kingdom decisions so that we can afford kingdom riches. And in order to get our budget where it needs to be, we've got to make sure our spreadsheet, our, our budget is balanced according to God's kingdom values. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so number four, I've just kind of given it to you already, and I'm going to close. Oh, possession of the filed. Possession of the field requires selling out in order to completely buy in. And I want to tell you, sometimes that's a tough decision. I wish in life we could have it all. Amen? Don't you? I wish I could be lazy and have a good physique, but it just doesn't work. I wish I could be 40 and still have my hairline like I did when I was 20. It just doesn't work. Amen. I've noticed the older I get, the quicker... Food, just, it just, I don't know what, my metabolism just slows down. I'll tell you what. We, the problem is, here's the point. The problem is, the, the dilemma is, God says you, you want the spiritual treasures, but you're not willing to let go of the earthly goods. There's a dilemma there. There's a tension there. This man had to buy out. This man had to sell, the, sell all that he had. He had to sell everything to, to be able to afford that field so that he could obtain that treasure. And so that's the point here. Let's go to Mark 12, 30, and then we'll close. And you shall love the Lord your God, get this, with some of your heart, with what's left over of your soul, with whatever you can scrounge together of your mind, with whatever strength you're willing to, to give up. 
No, that's not, that's not, that's not the kingdom economy. If you want that field, if you want that treasure, if you want that pearl, if you want that revival, if you want that request, if you want what you're asking or seeking or desiring or striving for, you've got to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. You've got to sell all of the pearls. You've got to sell all of your possessions. You've got to buy that field. But guess what? If you will give God every, hear me right now, if you will give God everything that you have, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, if you will give God everything you have, then you have everything you need to make it and to buy that field and to obtain that pearl. I want to tell you because all you need is all that you have. And if you will give him that that's enough. That's what he can use. That's what he can take. If you'll say, God, I'm all in. I'm going forward. I'm not holding back. I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to get radical. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sell out. I'm going to buy in. I'm going to see you move in my life. Then you can obtain the treasure and you can obtain the pearl. Let's stand tonight.